Welcome to the Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed. And I'm Nicole. Hey, Nicole, two in one week. Look at that. <laughs> well, if the other one goes out, we had we a little- We still don't know if it's recording. Yeah, we recorded one, I think it was yesterday, Reed, and it was on uh, Nicole's uh, customer experience um, program that she's working on. Let's see you or- Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the audio didn't record properly, so I'm trying to save it. So maybe it's the first in one week, Nicole, right. but you might get a, a re-record of the second if I can't save that. What does that mean, it didn't record properly? It recorded from the wrong microphone. So the it recorded, it recorded but it, from the from the video. camera microphone, which isn't as, as hot as the other. So we're going to see if we can dress it up. Oh, so. okay. Anyways, today we're here to talk about um, uh, Digible's vision um, that we just went through. So we've done vision, as I feel like anybody listening would understand that Digible's had like a vision since the beginning. But uh, I feel like every year it's we kind survival. of yeah. <laughs> I feel like every year we've updated it. And then I feel like this is the most robust, concrete version we came through. Uh, we we've arrived at uh, since the last uh, for, for this time. So, Reed, if you want to give the setup of, of how we changed our vision process this time, uh, if Nicole, you want to kill your notifications. <laughs> so, Reed, what what is this vision framework that we're working on this time? And why is it different than before? Well, like a lot of things here at Digital, it seems to be an offshoot of uh, my my dear friend that I've never met, Jim Collins. Located in Boulder. So you guys might. I know. I I guarantee at some point it's going to happen. I hope he's one of our guest speakers or something in in the next couple of years. And I should get some royalties off some of his sales, book sales (laughs) for the six people listening. Um, No, but we, we get asked that question all the time and it's fair, you know, what is your company's vision? So like you said, from the beginning, we had to have an answer for that, you know, when we were going through getting loans and just, you know, trying to get people on board or whatever. Um, And for the longest time, in some form, it was related to just evolving into more of a MarTech or ad tech first company. And that kind of checked that box, you know, but there was certainly more to it. And you and I had some late nights um, trying to get kind of past that or underneath it. Um, But then when we picked up the book 2.0, which was one of, I think, of his kind of four or five signature books, um, they had a whole section carved out just focused on how to build a company, like the framework of building your vision. And I like the fact because I have struggled with the distinction, I'll say, between like, what's your purpose versus what's your mission versus what's your vision? You know, the one that I think we all got and was pretty clear is what are your values? So that, you know, we we had gone through and a lot of that was from the book from EOS, you know, that was part of the, the whole VTO and and whatnot. Um, but I loved the framework and it and it was Collins and Porus. So both these guys, I think, were professors out at Stanford when they put this together. And the way you know they described it, and I know you'll add on here, and I'm sure Nicole will too, but to simplify it, um, you know, vision is all three of those. So it's it's not one vision statement. It's wrapping your core values as well as your purpose as a company and your mission, also aka BHAG, big hairy audacious goal. And that all together is what comprises a company's vision. And so there's all sorts of, you know, I guess collateral or, or workshop material. And you found a lot, David, that we used when we went through the process that makes it even easier. But at its root, it's basically saying, you know, you first have to establish those core values and principles and everything kind of should be an extension of that. So you, you know, start there. And once you get through that process, then you can start uh, working on your purpose. And the purpose is something that uh, should 
you know, outlast you basically. And, you know, for a hundred years, no matter what, we would always want Digible um, being pulled forward by, by this cause. And uh, so fundamentally, the question is, why does your company exist? And I found myself quickly answering that and then like suddenly pulling back and saying, wait, you know, I wonder if David would say the same thing. I wonder if Nicole would say the same thing. And I, I pretty quickly was like, no, I think we'd all say something a little different. And then when we got to, you know, past that, or I read past that into mission, um, that really crystallized for me where it's like, this isn't just kind of a cause or reason for existence. This is, and the best example was NASA, in my opinion, but what's your moonshot? Like, what are you trying to do over the next 10 to 20 years? And it has to be a clear destination versus more of like that kind of propelling, um, uh, purpose or, or cause. And so I just, um, the timing was great too, because we've been grappling with this as we've been thinking about this transformation and evolution that that's going on at our company um, from more service-based to tech-based and what our, our bigger plans are for Fiona, um, as well as some of the emerging opportunities that we're now starting to see in a, a kind of formulate into a suite, you know, from, from the company. So just all made a ton of sense when it's like, Hey guys, of course you were reading it too, right behind me, I think in that book. And, um, yeah, that was the, that was, I'm setting the table here, mm-hmm. but no, that was a lot, but I don't know if you guys have anything to add, but that's how we kind of got started on it. Well, I think it was helpful too, when we were going through it. Cause I mean, purpose, mission, vision, there's just so it's so much. And I think it means different things, to different companies. So I really like how, this B 2.0 book broke it out where it clearly called out purpose is your Northern star, like your guiding light. It's not something you ever achieve. That's what's going to last. That's what's going to pull the company forward for potentially a hundred years. Whereas mission is a longer term, you know, goal or destination, but you will know when you arrived. And so I think that was really helpful for us going through it. Um, you know, identifying all of this, but then also layering it on top of EOS and traction and the, the foundation that we have today. So I think there, at some points we were like, are these conflicting? Like, is the vision traction organizer different than the vision that we're working on now? But I think we found a nice way to kind of wrap it all together. Yeah. And it, and it fits really well with traction versus uh, some of the other like frameworks that we've seen just don't, don't meld together. So I really like how this is how it's working out for us with building the company. You have the, you know, VTO, which provides, or the, uh, I guess, EOS system that provides us the, the main framework for everything. And then we're adding little elements throughout. Uh, but EOS doesn't go nearly as in depth with building like a, a 25 year vision. It's kind of it, the VTO within EOS, which is vision traction organizer. The vision is kind of like, you know, who's your main, what are your values? Who's your main target? Who's your niche? You know, what's your differentiator? But it doesn't really go, I mean, the furthest it goes out is 10 years. It doesn't go further. Uh, whereas Collins really talks about starting from 100 years plus and then going down to like a 10 to 25 years and then down uh, beyond that. So, Reed, you want to go through like how the Collins framework works? It's starting with values and where we landed. Yeah, well, I know you don't want me to repeat myself. Where do you want me to jump in? Well, values I don't think changed at all. But he always says start with values, and Collins does. Mm-hmm. And then we picked our five values, which didn't change for us uh, from what we had before. Then once you have values and, and the reason he says start with values is that no matter what happens in the business world and how your business has to evolve, your values should remain the same. And if they don't, then you don't have the right values, right? Or you're not operating right. correctly. And they should always, and I think Rand said this too, in one of the first books you and I read together was that lost and founder, but just always lean on your values. Like uh, maybe this seems 
trite or a trope, but in difficult times um, to help guide you through like bigger decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate that. And, you know, certainly um, I think that's going to be a great outcome. And we've already like leaned on those in, um, a few times, I'll say, um, going, getting to where we're at. But yeah, so, um, you know, I'll, I'll cut right to it. You know, for us, employees are first and I feel like always have been. Um, in the way we think about our company and our future. And, you know, we're frequently, um, you know, I just had the coffee with Grace uh, complimented and, you know, we're not tooting our own horn, just it's great to hear, you know, such positive feedback from our employees. They really love the culture here and they've been super excited about the return to office. And it's just one indicator, I think, of where we've gotten it right. And, um, you know, we, we had the podcast about the four day work week with Nicole just a few weeks ago. And that was a big step forward for us and very focused on, on happiness. One of our, if not our, our top core value here at digital. And so that just made sense as far as our purpose, what would never stop uh, be that commitment to employees. So we knew that we were going to weave that in uh, one way or another into the, the statement. And then the other half of that, um, that I know all three of us also felt equally strong about, um, was just affecting, progressive change, positive change, seeing the industry move forward. You know, I think a lot of people um, need that or look for that where it's like, do I know I'm, I'm making progress or having an impact? And uh, for us with the, you know, the journey we've been on and, and that started even before digital, that's always been kind of at the root, I think, of, of the way we communicate and think. Um, so it was trying to figure out how do we take these two together? And that also was a big part of the Jim Collins message or recommendation was the genius of the end is the way he puts it. But it's like too many businesses when they're trying to go through processes like this or big decisions, they feel like they have to use or, you know, one or the other. Um, and there's a lot of power into combining things, but obviously you got it got to be responsible about that. Right. So you start with your values and then next he's saying, pick your hundred year, like what should, what should stay with digital for a hundred years or more if you're trying to build a great company. And then that's, uh, so I like his analogy and I think that's a good setup, uh, for, for where we landed, but he's with the mountains. Yeah. So he's basically like, as you were just saying at the beginning, it's confusing because people consider mission, mission and vision and purpose is different things. They confuse the definitions, but he kind of says, your vision is this whole thing we're going to talk about today. And then your, which includes values, your, your purpose and, and your BHAG or the big goal that you're trying to achieve right now. And so we start with values. The next is like, what's the 100 year journey that Digital would embark on that we wouldn't change no matter what kind of happened. And that's kind of what, what you're getting at there. And he's, that's like wagons West, we're going to head West. And that's our mission for a hundred years, right? Versus your BHAG is like, what mountain are we going to climb right now? Oh, we climbed the Rocky mountains. Now we keep looking West. What, what's next? Um, so as you're saying, it was important for us to incorporate the culture, our employee culture and making sure that they're um, considered in that hundred years. Cause that would be long, long beyond us. Right. And therefore, like, how do we make sure that stays, that that core doesn't change? And then also, like, what else do we want to accomplish? And we wanted to sort of work in some business stuff, but we didn't want it to be all about someone takes digital over and it's all about the dollar bills and they're not, uh, they're, they're forgetting the, the why, we're, why we're doing it today. Yep. I, I guess go a step further. And we did. It, for me, it, it's beyond considered, you know, it's prioritized meaning the employees you mentioned, you know, that they're always considered no matter whether we're here or not. Um, and it just seems so simple to me. It's like, it does all start with people, even amid all the disruption and change that te technology and big data is bringing forward. Um, you know, as our, our one investor, Steve, you know, told us, he's like, somebody's still got to 
fly the plane, you know, even with all the technology there. So, and Nicole is always a great reminder and, and her team is of just how important the experience is. Um, and so not to, I guess, somehow detour or whatever, I'm just saying like people for us, we believe will always be here and should always be kind of our first priority. And then, yeah, like I said, from there, uh, it was like, well, how do we also capture, you know, first people, but then like affecting progressive change. And that's what ultimately came together to be our purpose statement, which was to be a role model for employee culture and a catalyst for progressive change. Yeah. And Nicole, did, did you like where that landed or was you, did your head start somewhere else before we arrived there? If it started somewhere else, how, you know, what were your, how do you feel now about arriving there? I love where we landed. I think it was interesting because we talked a lot about this during the session of how important is the industry in our purpose? Like, do we have to include something related to apartments, multifamily, agency world? And I really love how we pivoted away to being so specific, really thinking bigger. And then, you know, we talk about the power of the end, but putting the employee, the role model for employee culture first, like that's right off the bat. So I think we're all in alignment there, but it's one of those things that once you read it, it sounds so simple, but there was so much work that went into like how we got there. And so I think it was well worth it for us to go through that thought process together and then make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. I, I love the the role model aspect. So it's like, why are we doing this? Like, cause it's not then like, you're just trying to be change for change sake. You want to, uh, uh, I think the role model helps, uh, that word covers it. And then for employee culture, cause we thought about just doing culture cause it definitely, we have an impact beyond our employees, whether it's within the community or our customers too. Um, and then one omission that people may notice from that statement uh, in progressive change, it never mentions apartments. And so we were, one of our core values being focused, we were trying to figure out how, how do you, do we need to include the word apartments or multifamily or, you know, rental housing? But we were like, well, if this is going to last a hundred years plus, you can't, we don't want to tie ourselves down to that. And we figured the rest of the EOS system has, what is your niche? So you can have your overall uh, vision and purpose. But right now, our niche would be apartments, right? And so that that allowed us to leave the word apartments or multifamily out of the out of the statement, and then just land on the role model for employee culture and catalyst for progressive change. And Reed, I think you were the one that that came up with catalyst as one of the words, because we were trying to figure out what word, um, when we were doing the wordsmithing, like just getting very particular here, because we don't want to change this, uh, which is the point. So you want to talk through the choice of the word catalyst and how, how you landed there? Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully everybody listening knows, because I think at one point you were like, I'm not sure if everybody's going to know what catalyst means. I don't think you meant that they wouldn't know what the definition is, but maybe in the context or the spirit of it. So here's my opportunity to clarify that. <laughs> but it's it's instigating, it's creating, you know, um, and innovating for me felt way too generic and not powerful enough. You know, I see catalysts as like, it is the spark. And that was one look at it that we had, but that felt too, uh, I don't know, it's wordsmithing, you know, it just didn't inspire me enough just to see the word spark. So catalyst just felt more powerful. Um, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, also you were calling out both of you about not having multifamily or apartments in there. And I, we all felt good about that. That was important that we didn't kind of lock ourselves in there knowing that this was something that was supposed to be everlasting. But part of that progressive change, um, also is is what we're doing with volunteer work um some of the initiatives or causes that that we're planning to get behind or already have and so that also was really important for me is progressive change uh expands past or you know surpasses just what we do with uh kind of 
business, I guess, like the the day to day or how we're affecting like innovation and all that jazz. Yeah, and and also uh, one of the things I wasn't sure about, but I like where we landed with catalyst and progressive change was again, it's not change for change's sake; it's change to like push things forward. But catalyst also isn't saying like uh, like we looked at the Sony vision, and Sony was like to be the company that uh, changes the association of of Japanese products with bad quality with good quality. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's, that doesn't really hit our core value of humility. If we're going to say like, oh, digital, you know, is going to be the ones that, that make this happen. So instead it, you know, I think catalyst is just, uh, works for that because it's like, we're going to help, but we can't do it alone. I mean, we were talking about that this morning on another call, but we have to be collaborative with it. And so it's not an ego driven thing. Um, we're, we're going to need help from other folks. Totally. And when you think about movements um and obviously what we're seeing right now with the social climate like a black lives matter i think you'd have a hard time sourcing that back to one person you know um but there is there obviously is some sort of root you know that um you know sits underneath these these bigger changes or sweeping change whatever and so yeah just backing you up here like it doesn't mean that we alone like we're for the reason or purpose that things got better multifamily with marketing data technology or whatever else we touched, but that we do want to be kind of at that ground level as far as making stuff happen. And one thing I love, and Nicole, I, I'm sure you're going to remember examples that I don't even remember, but role model for employee culture. I feel like one, one of the things I'm proud of is that we're, uh, you and I were talking just in the car the other day, but we what we're working on isn't just like nuts and bolts of like lead generation but we're doing a lot of infrastructure building from our systems and processes and ma- people management and things like that, that excite me that it, I haven't found as much of the research that we've done, like other systems that have it as baked, even from companies that we've been like, I was mentioning like the Denver post is over a hundred years old and they're not as baked with a lot of like the employee development stuff when we were there as, is what we've really pushed forward for, uh, for just being four years in. So I'm excited by that because it's, we're not just, we're doing a lot of back office stuff that may not be present. And so the whole role model thing um, for employee culture is four day work week. It's the digital employee experience where we do the give people uh, hours to do their volunteer time, which is what the four day work week is, is you have an extra day each week to do whatever you want with, whether it's like mental health or, or uh, some volunteer work, but do something productive. Um, but do you want to talk through some of the other stuff that we're doing, uh, you know, to, to be that role model or do things differently when it comes to our, our employee culture? I think there's so much that goes into that. Like you didn't mention Fiona forward, but I think that's a huge initiative for us. I think it's next week where we're going to go volunteer at a camp that benefits the Special Olympics. And so I think it's just ongoing. I think it's just how are we um, also empowering employees to, we always say this, but bring their true selves to work. Um, how do, can we help them get involved with their passions outside of work, at work, like during the day, help them give back and hit that like philanthropic vibe. Um, and kind of make them better whole persons. That way they'll be better performers and better employees. So I think it's everything from the culture, like digital dogs in the office. I think that it helps people, um, you know, feel a little bit more relaxed during the day. It's a four-day work week. It's a time off we're giving. It's a side projects. We're not just allowing them to work on, you know, here's your day-to-day work. You're allowed to go outside of that, whether it's marketing. Um, so I think it's really the whole package. By my count, I think we had three dog accidents this week in the office. I don't know if you guys caught any that I didn't, but I was like, in our old office, we had never had a dog accident that I know of. And then like now, maybe because there's just more room or something, but 
we got hit three times. So I, I, I'm a three strikes and you're out. I just <laughs> there were different out. dogs. It was so. different dogs. <laughs> yeah, but I that but there's a strike on each one of them. Because <laughs> there was some stuff downstairs too in the basement, and Carrie was like, "Ken, was like, I don't think sure that's that ours." Well, that's that's well, what that's nobody knows. Question. Now we're gonna have to start setting up ring cameras like all yeah. over the place. To, yeah, DNA testing whenever yeah. we find a spot. But uh, anyways, I just thought that was fun. But uh, there's other stuff with employee development, providing like. Um, career tracks for individual contributors where you don't have to go into management stuff we're doing when when it comes to management training and and uh, and like providing um, coaches for people I, I just think that there's a lot of work that we're we're putting in there that aren't just band-aids or like to say that you have a, a foosball table or something well it's also empowering our employees um, we you know push them a lot to t- like really do self-reflection and say where do you see yourself where do you want to go? Whether it's the 2050 exercise um, or even just when we're having coaching conversations about promotions where it's like, you know, we, ha- we have this role that is defined, but what would you do if you stepped into it? How are you going to bring your strengths to this role and maybe make it a little bit different? So I think we're very um, conscious about coaching employees so that they are actively choosing the role that they want to be in and not just being kind of forced upon a track because that's on paper the next step. Yeah. So um, good examples of currently how we're working towards the employee culture part. And so it's not empty because that's the other thing Jim says is you can't, none of this should be aspirational stuff. Well, values can't be aspirational. And then he's like the hundred year thing should, should include some of that, but it can't be stuff where people look at it and they're like, well, this isn't, I don't know how you guys pick this because we definitely don't equal that. But on the catalyst for progressive change, Reed, do you want to give just a couple of examples of where our heads are at with uh, on hitting that part of the statement today before we move on to how we landed on BHAG? Examples of, of us yeah. being a catalyst for progressive change. Yeah, or ways that we're looking, that we're starting to attack that so that yeah. it's not an empty you know, part of the statement. Yeah, well, I think it started in the very beginning, you know, with Fiona or six months in. I mean, that was obviously a, a big risk for us to, to take on that early in the company. And we put our mouth where our money was or whatever. Did I say that right? <laughs> Anywhere our mouth. Yeah, thank you. It is four o'clock on Friday after barbecue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, After my three meat platter or triple meat platter. Um, But you know, that, that almost set the tone, you know, where it was like uh, there aren't too many legitimate, I'll say hybrid companies um, certainly in in this vertical, Um, you know, and we hear the term tech enabled service and uh, service company or whatever. But my point is, is that um, we were already thinking in that agnostic kind of strategy or approach where it's like, we're, we're not worried about whether the money comes flows through digital or not. Um, we're just trying to to give you, you know, the best recommendation that we can. And in a lot of cases, in fact, most cases, that includes uh, you know the ILSs. Like for those that, and I'm sure people listening do know what we're talking about. Um, we regularly recommend that. And um, you know, David uh, also frequently will recommend um, other companies and things like that. So I, I think that for me does connect with the whole catalyst for progressive change. It's like, well, this is a different sound, different tone. Most companies we work with wouldn't dare like com- recommend competitors. They, they, uh, wouldn't recommend competitive platforms, that kind of stuff. Um, trying to think what else I would say is, I mean, the, the NLG stuff, you know, that's more, I guess, near and dear to my heart, but like what we're doing there, uh, trying to be able to scale, Content and things in particular content in a way that had, hasn't been done before um, opens up all sorts of new avenues. So those are just a couple for me, low-hanging fruit, you know. Yeah, I'd say a lot of the um, 
work we're trying to do around uh, integrating with different, as you're saying, like competitors or providers or even peers of ours, um, which we can't really speak to a lot of those uh, publicly yet. Um, also, the the fair housing, you know, uh, tool that we've been investing in for over a year now that's been significant, like development and time resources, even before Fiona completely gets to where we want it to be. But we just see this. It seems like the right thing to do and nobody else is doing it. So let's let's get it done. Um, and then um, uh, I, you mentioned like the uh, being agnostic. I think that's huge because I don't know another company in the space that there are individuals in the space where they will say where they really care about their reputation and they won't act as a salesperson. But every one of our peers and other companies has a sales team and they're hitting the ground, you know, like knocking on doors, bringing donuts. And we purposely have not hired a sales team. We don't have any salespeople. Mm -hmm. And to me, that speaks to like the remaining agnostic because if you have a sales team it's very hard for them this to continue to remain agnostic or just to be consultative truly unbiased consultative along the way because they sales gets there's money girls. On the line. Yeah. yeah well i think one other thing too we mentioned fiona at large but some of the specific features we are working on this year is building out tools for our internal team that will then help either the um, industry so like marketing them for clients as well but then other agencies so kind of piggybacking off the whole agnostic comment. It's like we are trying to build tools that don't just benefit us, but that could potentially benefit other companies and competitors in the space. So I think that's super progressive. And I think it's something that a lot of other companies aren't tackling because it's so cost <laughs> costly to like build something for yourself without really selling it first. Um, but I think that's going to really help set us apart. And we're trying to work ourselves out of a job with that. So majority of our revenue comes from services at the moment, but we don't want to just remain there. So we want to work ourselves kind of in a way out of a job for services. But uh, to your point, like the, um, uh, we're, we've started to have conversations and ha have had a number of people approach us that want Fiona's technology built into their platform. And so that includes us giving the Fiona technology to, to some of our peers. And we can only do that if we're willing to be agnostic and, and work ourselves out of a job. Because if a peer gets Fiona, we're not holding it you know, hostage to where it's like, you got to work with Digible. It's like, you can work with the peer if that's who you want. They still use the same technology as, as our team and hopefully makes uh, makes them better and, you know, let the customer go you know, uh, where they prefer. Um, so to your point, like uh, this year, a lot of the work we're putting in is uh, testing, like eating our own dog food to say, hey, we're, this is the platform we use and then start to giving it, give it out to some of our peers so that they can use it and help move that, uh, that progressive change forward because it is an investment. Like, I mean, we we know it's hard to do this without raising a bunch of of money, and we're trying. And so far, we've been successful there. Like, let's let's remain bootstrapped with the one uh, angel investor. Uh, that way, we can remain in control. And if you raise if you raise a bunch of venture money, it's really hard to then all of a sudden start giving that proprietary proprietary tech away to to the other folks that are going up against you with with large deals. So. All right, so now uh, let's talk about BHAG. So BHAG for Collins is big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, he gave some other names that people, uh, mission is is another word that a lot of people think of instead of BHAG. Um, and BHAG's I, really taken off with the tech like sector. I think he was saying in California, it just started to catch on. And now, you know, it's he's more used to people referring to, to BHAG than, they, than a mission. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like it's become so ubiquitous now that he doesn't even get a lot of the credit for Totally coming up with the term BHAG because he was calling it something else. He says this in the book, and then one he just randomly said BHAG during one of his like um, 
when he was as a professor. Yeah. Yeah, And then the students just like locked onto that more than they locked onto mission or the other words he was using. And so then he's like, Oh, well, we got to go with BHAG. (laughs) Um, So you want to talk about this BHAG is supposed to be like uh, something like what, what mountain are you tackling over the next 10 to 25 years? 25 years is a really long time. (laughs) 10 years is a long time, you know, more than twice our age, but Reed, how did we go through that process? And you know, how'd we land? Well, I think this one was harder than purpose. I mean, neither one of them was easy, and it took us two days and sixteen hours. <laughs> I mean, was, with a lot of pre work, yeah. yeah, over the years, like yeah, we thought, we yeah, there was a lot of all, all ideas already coming in. So um, we have so many things that we're pursuing, and I think that's what was difficult. Is for me at least, I'll say, do we narrow that or expand it? You know, um, so obviously, and I don't mind sharing on here. I I'm still super motivated and excited about the idea of building out like the content of, you know, or when I say I, we, um, you know, as like being the backbone of like content and and multifamily and you guys, I don't want to say reeled me in, but made good arguments on, on why that would just be one, one piece of it. And then of course, um, you and Nicole may have been somewhere in between as often is, but, um, or maybe leaning more, I don't want to speak for you, Nicole, uh, towards that, multifamily marketing operating system like and we talked about an agency operating system and and then what like task management meetings like some of the things you guys were just referring to that we're trying to also introduce with our homegrown like technology and so there's just so much there it's like how how are we all gonna ultimately agree that this was the one thing that we wanted to achieve over the next 10 to 15 years and fortunately i think leaning on purpose, um, leaning on values. That was how we eventually found our way uh, to what, what made sense to us for, you know, a 10, 15, 20 year mission. And it connects perfectly, which is we want to establish the largest multifamily uh, marketing footprint in the industry. And that isn't for our ego sake or, uh, you know, for money, financial gain, notoriety or anything else. It's because we understand that in order for us to create a more collaborative, a happier, um, you know, forward thinking, forward thinking, uh, workforce, um, or I'm sorry, industry that, um, we would need to, we would need to pursue a much bigger footprint. And that doesn't have to come in the service side. Doesn't have to just be in content. Doesn't have to just be marketing, operating system calls, you know, uh, Fiona posts, etc. It's like, it's the combination of all of that. And that's going to give us our best shot at, at really fulfilling our purpose, at least in this industry back to like one mountain first, then you go try and climb the next. So that's, uh, yeah, that's how we got there. Well, I have my notes, and so it was easy. I'm impressed that you got like all but two words Thank through you. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the the point of the, of uh, of the BHAG is it should not be something achievable. Which Nicole, you and I had to keep like thinking because he, he his example well, no, it should be it should be, but not. no, no, fifty. Per, he's like, is it is it less than a one hundred percent chance? Okay. Is it more like a fifty percent okay. chance of being achievable? So. Thank you. Uh, so he's like, it doesn't have to be fully, it, it should be hard, right? right? And he's like, so does that mean you have less than a 100% chance of achieving, achieving it? Right. Does it mean that you would have to dramatically or demonstrably change the way your organization or technology or whatever works today to achieve that goal? So it can't be something like, oh, we could get there with, you know, as we, as we sit today, it requires like some transformation of the company over those 10, 10 plus years. Um, and so I like that this landed like, so largest, uh, footprint in multifamily marketing, which, um, we have some qualifiers there. It's w- for us looking up against our, our peers. So for example, 
we're not in ILS right now, so we're not going to consider like trying to go up against an ILS when it comes to sheer property count. But if we opened up uh, websites, then now we got to start considering like Lease Labs and mm-hmm. and uh, Jonah and whoever else, right? So it's kind of like um, within our our uh, sort of the product portfolio we have, how do we can stack up from a property count? And I like that collaborative, happier, forward thinking part of it, and because it does tie back to that purpose. But it also, um, Jim Collins gives the example of like one of the best VHAGs was uh, Kennedy saying, we're going to land a man on the moon and return him home safely within 10 years. So it has a a demarcation line that you know you got there. So we had to come up with that. And that was really challenging, particularly when we were thinking about product. So, you know, uh, three years ago, we didn't have the idea for the fair housing collaboration. So what's going to happen in the next 10 years for us where we're going to have a new product idea? And so we didn't want to hang our our whole thing on one product and, and... commit ourselves in a way that that didn't let us be flexible. So I like that this is from a product suite standpoint, we can still remain innovative, but a lot of this needs to to do things that help foster a more collaborative industry, which ties back to the purpose. So back to what you were saying, Nicole, about our work, uh, the, the workflow tools that we're building in the Fiona so that other agencies can start to use those that's being more collaborative or how fair housing, um, um, you know, monitoring is going to help uh, just educate the industry and make sure that everyone's doing the right thing. But Nicole, do you want to talk a little bit about the BHAG and how you feel about that, um, you know, where we landed? Well, I was going to um, actually talk about the headlines exercise we did. And I can't remember if this was purpose or BHAG. BHAG, yeah. Because those two days are now <laughs> kind of, those hours are meshing together in my head. But the headline exercise, so there's a bunch of different exercises that the book kind of recommends you go through in order to kind of think differently, brainstorm. But um, this one particular exercise, it had the four of us write down headlines that we think, you know, digital would be a part of in the next 10 to 20 years. And what I really liked about this is that we all did it individually. I think we took like five to 10 minutes, almost like stream of consciousness. What is your headline? And then we all wrote them up on the board and then basically found common threads throughout each of them. Um, This also, I think, helped like solidify our purpose because every single one of us had something related to employee happiness in there. And so I think that's in our BHAG now, we have the happier collaborative environment. And I think that happier is kind of a nod to the employee side of things as well. Um, But I think the process for this was really unique in in how we approached it. So I just really loved the exercise of going through it. Um, So so I wanted to kind of touch on that. Yeah. 10 years to be clear, like if 10 years from now, if there was an article that came out about Digible, what would you want the headline to be? Or what would you want some of the content of that article to be? So that's where it's like we each kind of write our article titles and then, you know, match them up against each other. And then all of that helps form your BHAG. Right. So, yeah, that was like the first piece of it. And then everyone kind of went back to say, okay, what BHAG would support your headline? And then that's where you really are t- um, kind of making it more achievable, like building out those milestones almost of like, what would this look like? So I think we all had like 15 to 20 bullet points under like what would support content, for example, what would support a multifamily operating system. Um, so I just uh, was really loved going through that and like seeing the common thread. So I think that helped us land where we're at today. Totally. And the the bullets are important because he says to keep a BHAG like inspirational, you can't you can't give all the details. So he says, he calls it the Everest statement, but the Everest statement doesn't have to identify Everest as the tallest mountain because things might change. You might learn new things if you didn't know yet what the tallest mountain was. So he says, you don't want to get caught up in the wordsmithing of the statement. You kind of want to say like, we want to climb the tallest mountain. That would be kind of like the basis of the statement. And it's like, what does that look like? And then it would 
then you go through those bullet points. So with your BHAG, you have your statement of I'm going to climb the tallest mountain and then under, uh, or climb the seven tallest mountains, for example. And then underneath that, you're like, well, that means we call climb mountains one through seven. We do it like without oxygen, you know, yada, yada, yada. What, what are those qualifiers underneath? Well, I think this was one of the most challenging parts of the day specifically because we kind of started this, I think, two hours before the end of day one. And so we were all like kind of fried, but also wanted to get it done. And so we kind of left that first day like not on the same page and then kind of came back day two and um, with fresh eyes and and got there. But I think what's hard about the BHAG too, to what you're saying is like you have to be specific enough to know that it's been achieved, but leave yourself enough room to know that you're going to define it along the way. And that was really challenging for us. Yeah, and one add on, I guess, adding on to that, you also want it to be something, and this wasn't as called out in the in in that section as it was me, I guess, making the I don't know connection with Good to Great, where he talks about the ten x um, and, and like the three things that you need to factor for when you're pursuing or building out your, your business's roadmap. And it's like, you have to be able to say, we could be the best in the world at something. We should be super passionate about it and it should support our economic engine. And so that was in the back of my head as we were going through it. And it did cause me to pause, I guess, on some things and, um, you know, just ultimately, I guess, get aligned with you guys on where we're at. But I asked myself that on some of the first passes. I was like, is, is our staff going to feel as passionate about this as, as we are? And um, fortunately, again, where, where we landed, obviously, uh, we felt great about it. And it seems like they're really happy with it, too. But some of the first first goes at it, you know, and I don't mind saying might have been, I don't want to say selfish, but, you know, for me, and you brought it up, you're like, I don't know if everybody's going to be pumped about content. Um, so it's just a good reminder where it's like, got to definitely think a little bit, I guess, more broadly and certainly inclusive of our employees to see, you know, what would resonate with them. And Nicole, one of the things you at first weren't settled with, with where we landed was the largest footprint because, um, just team you are, both both of you guys called us out. (laughs) Um, and this was before we had the second part of that, um, because we added on to like happier, um, fostering a more, a more collaborative environment. So we added that on, but when we first had just the largest footprint or the biggest, I think that internally always asks me to question, but why? Why do we want to be the biggest? Do we want to be the biggest biggest for what sake? Is it for revenue? Which obviously it's not. That's not what, um, you know, we were very clear about that, but it just felt um, almost on that like humility vein of our core values. Like, can we make this feel more digital? Um, so I think both Lurch and I were kind of through the flag on that one to just dig into it further. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, what Why I got okay with it was uh, I liked... Um, the collaborative, happier, forward-thinking part, which connects back to the values, um, and and it, uh, and I really took a lot of inspiration from Patagonia. Patagonia, he details out a lot in the book, and it just really connected with me. But when Patagonia asks the why five times, it's like, well, we you know we sell clothes. It's like why? Because to Reed's point, that's our economic engine. That's what we know how to do best, and we can make money. Okay, why do we want to make money? It's like because they want to they want to help change the world. Uh, and it's like okay, if we want if they want to help change the world part of their thing is like become one of the biggest uh, role models. And it's like, well, how do we become a big role model? It's like, we have a lot of revenue. So we have enough power. So people respect us so that we can help change the world. So I really liked how Patagonia had gone through uh, as an example. And that's where I took a lot of inspiration. Like, so why get bigger so that uh, Reed, you said this about your whole career, but you always wanted to move up to help 
uh, have more influence, right? More impact. And I feel like that's kind of an extension of, of where we landed here. It's like, well, we got to have touch more properties. So we have a bigger impact, um, you know, on the industry. Yep. Cool. So that, uh, that, uh, hit our BHAG. So then that ended up being our entire vision thing, which after two days of, of intense debate on this, I felt like it was like a weight off my shoulders. Cause it's, <laughs> I feel like it was one of those things like, people would come, they would see Digital and then they'd be like, oh man, this is great. What's your vision look like or whatever. And I feel like a lot of times they ask the question, they don't even know necessarily what they mean by asking vision or mission or whatever. And uh, it didn't always, it, it was like a couple of Legos that didn't fit together for me until like we went through this whole process and then it was like, okay, now it all makes sense. Now it makes sense what, like what we're trying to do here. And it wraps in the people, but also like the so like uh, continue progressive change moving forward side of things. And it just felt like those two Legos now fit together for me. Yeah. And it'll be up to us and everybody here uh, just to obviously live it and, and reinforce it. So like you said, this, uh, yeah, the volunteer work we're going to be doing next week with the special Olympics and uh, plenty of the other initiatives uh, with Fiona Ford, um, the new products that we're building out, like, um, they're all great indications, but you know, it'd be important that we kind of, I think, recap and kind of summarize. Maybe that's at the end of the year during those quarterly meetings, but just want to make sure that it stays top top of mind for us. I'm also glad you mentioned that when you see it, uh, Nicole, you said it's so simple. Um, that's what we were hoping for, actually. It's, that's been the problem, like all the ones that, not all, but many of the examples he said, you don't want to do this. We're just too wordy, uh, just corporate cl- speak. Yeah. Corporate speak clunky, you know? Um, so that, that to me was one of the hardest parts of this was keeping it super concise, but still clear and inspirational. That's not an easy thing to do. Uh, I'll say I'm not that I'm a writer, but <laughs> You guys know I, I I love the wordsmithing of things, and that's where it was the most challenging. I thought so. Super happy that we were able to seemingly figure it out. And we do reinforce. So every quarter we do, we go back through our vision and annual goals and ten year uh, stuff. So this will just mm-hmm. connect to that, where it's like, what's our hundred year purpose or ever lasting, and then you know ten year and then one year and quarterly. Uh, I'm excited to get creative, kind of like that rock pile, but like how we're going to visualize this is. That's just fun. You know, it's the creative side of it. It's like, it took a lot of, I'll say, creativity and like brain damage <laughs> uh, to get there. But, you know, I'm looking forward to to making it become more alive, I'll say, in, in, the, in the office. I don't yeah. have the answer to that yet, but um, I don't want it to just be in a deck on a, on a quarterly review. I want to I see it when I walk in. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. It's important, um, like you talked about with our, now that we've opened the office back up, we've got to get our core values up on the wall. And yeah. um, But in, in ways where you have to do this all tastefully, you can't just like vomit all right. of your stuff up because then it doesn't mean anything. But I, I uh, like your rock pile idea where we take each of the quarterly initiatives and like have a pile of rocks and show how, like what we're, like how big that pile Building, is getting yeah. of everything that we've done. Um, I, some sort of physical representation is important these days. I mean, it's just how we've noticed the difference to going back to the office. You know, when you're remote and everything's digital, it seems to make sense this should work, but there's just a different energy you get from seeing something physical. And I totally, I mean, it's like your rock pile should be an actual rock pile and not just like the printout up on the, <laughs> on the wall, you know? Well, Nicole, anything else you want to add to the vision? No, I feel like we covered it. Cool. Reed? I'm good. Well, I feel really good about this. I'm glad uh, where we've arrived and, uh, you know, it's up, up for uh, our employees and, and customers to keep us honest on it. If we start veering off track to, to, you know, 
get those uh, bowling bumper lanes back <laughs> back on us and say, no, 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 no. You said do do this thing, you know. Uh, what was the th- the conversation? He, uh, not to become the evil empire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can't be the evil empire. Never happened, baby. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Yeah.